Hi, I'm Lisa of Two Sober Chicks, and welcome to our speaker series edition. This podcast brings you AA speakers from a Solution Seekers Beginners meeting. Today, it's Stacy B, and that's her home group. She resides in Florida. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you. Um, when I uh, first uh, got into this meeting and Lisa uh, started the Solution Seekers, I was so happy to step up, do service, and help Solution Seekers. Can you imagine somebody who was in the Solution of Alcoholics Anonymous? That um, appeals to me. Uh, the 12 steps have been my solution. Inventories have been my solution. My solution has been found in a 24-hour plan. Uh, my sponsor has always uh, been in the solution of Alcoholics Anonymous, and uh, I have always been in the solution of Alcoholics Anonymous. It worked for me. It has worked for me over these tw- last 28 years. My sobriety date is uh, September the 1st of 1994, and it's worked for me since then. And um, I see no reason for to stop uh, living in the solution of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, it has solved all of my problems. When I came in here, um, I was just planning to give the God of my understanding the problem of drinking. And uh, it turned out that uh, God has been able to solve all of my problems. Who knew? Who knew that uh, he would solve all of my problems? Um, it's kind of like what Clancy talks about. I was ready to give him that alcoholic towel. Here, God, here's the alcoholism. I'll solve the rest. <laughs> and by hook or by crook, uh, I gave him the rest of the towel. And uh, um, I come from the city of uh, Chester, Pennsylvania. And uh, Chester uh, wants to be Philadelphia. <laughs> they shoot like Philadelphia. <laughs> um, uh, I would love to tell you that. Uh, Chester gave me nothing, but you know, I've been blessed to be around a lot of meetings that uh, they said, stop telling people that where you come from gave you nothing. That's just not true. It's just not true. Uh, the projects gave me a lot of uh, survival skills, survival skills, survival skills to uh, make it through tough going, to know who to trust and not to trust. It gave me a lot of trust issues but it also gave me a lot of uh, uh, knowing how and when to trust people. I knew um, uh, what to get myself into and what not to get myself into. A lot of times I would, I would jump into the fire, but I knew what fire I was jumping into, guys. Um, I knew um, one of the things that I found out about my family, my family is a very dysfunctional family, but um. If you've seen a functional family, would you please introduce them to me? Because I don't know any. Um, And what I found out is I found out uh, through uh, my dysfunctional family, um, I found out that there was a lot of women in that family who would take care of their family no matter what. Um, uh, They didn't lose their children. Uh, They went to work and they went to work for years and they took care of their families. Um, They would be nurses. They would be uh, veterinarians. They would be uh, whatever they had to be in order to take care of their families. And they didn't lose their children. Uh, Not like me. I briefly lost my children. And uh, um, it was something I was so ashamed of doing. Uh, But I'm here to tell you that um, uh, on on the side part of my mind, I I came to the conclusion that um, I had done the wrong thing. And I needed to step up and do the right thing. 
And that was something that was given to me by my family. Uh, you need to step up and do the right thing and take care of your children. And that was also given to me by Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, you need to step in and do the right thing, Stacy. You lost your children. Go back and fix that. And thank God for amends and steps and different things like that, because that's what I learned through you. And uh, uh, I'm here to tell you that the projects did not completely fail me. I learned the wrong things, of course, because I was looking at the wrong things. And in Alcoholics Anonymous, sometimes they'll tell you, if you go to meetings and you're looking for the wrong things, you will find them there. And I'm here to tell you that my sponsor told me that you can find anything in Alcoholics Anonymous that you want. If you want to find a way, uh, the meeting is boring, there's a long drunk log, so on and so forth. It says that in, uh, uh, it talks about that in uh uh, acceptance is the key. If you want to find the wrong things in the meeting, you can find the wrong things in the meeting. If you want to find the right things in the meeting, you can find the right things in the meeting. That's the thing about it. I look for the person who is talking about the right things in the meeting. And a lot of times I'll even run up on the person that's talking about the right things in the meeting and say, will you give a lead? <laughs> will you give a lead? <laughs> will you sponsor me? Will you sponsor me? Can I have your number? Because <laughs> I want to know what to do next. I want the solution. I want the solution. You know, when I was a teenager, um, I was looking up for the person who taught, who was drinking the best. I was looking for the person who had the most liquor. I was looking for the person who had the most money. Because there was another thing I learned from my family. What can I get from you? What can I get from you? And I still have a family like that that's looking for what can I get from you? And um, we would run around and, and we would drink and, and, and we would use other substances, which was, you know, dry substances, any dry substance you had. You know, one of the things about me is that, you know, dry alcohol, I thought that I didn't fit in here because of dry alcohol. And I thank God for my sponsor that my sponsor didn't say, I can't sponsor you because you took other substances. Because, you know, it was a man I heard give a lead one time and he said, well, you know, I wouldn't have took other substances if they had said that I couldn't join Alcoholics Anonymous because I took other substances. But unfortunately, I didn't have that, you know, I didn't have that future, you know. But my sponsor said, Stacy, was alcohol always on the table? I said, yes, it was. And it was in beer form. Well, you can't be an alcoholic if you drink beer, you know. But I forgot that it was old English 800. You know what I'm saying? I was a top shelf drinker. You know what I'm saying? And old English 800 was terrible tasting. It was terrible tasting. My first drink of alcohol was Imperial whiskey. Now, I relate that to gasoline if you want to know how it tastes. So I definitely wasn't drinking for the taste. And I was only about eight years old. And I remember sitting on the stoop. And I remember drinking that whiskey because I felt apart from everyone. I felt apart from my mother. I felt apart from my father. I felt apart from the people that was inside of that house that was partying and having fun. I felt like I didn't fit in. And they had invited me to the best of their ability. My mother and my father, my foster mother and my father had given me everything that they could. But by this time, I had been abused and misused and um, I was a foster child, like I told you, and um, I had been saved from um, a lot of things by that time, but um, that's neither here nor there. I felt so apart from, and when I took that drink of whiskey, uh, I felt a part of. Other substances was coming to my story, and they were to be a part of my life for a long time, and uh, what happened was that later on, um, 
I kept on drinking and I kept on using other substances. And it fooled me a lot because these other substances had me fooled to think that I was not an alcoholic, not an alcoholic. These other substances, if you were to get them out of my life, if you were to push them out of my life, I would be better. I'd be able to drink socially if you were to push these other substances out of my life. And lo and behold, my sponsor was to tell me that alcohol would kill me just as much, just as fast if I was just to drink. And I didn't know that. And it drew me out there one more time. I was to go to my first real treatment center. By this time I was married, I had let go of a military career. Career, y'all. I was going to stay in the military forever. I was going to be, I went into the military as a welder. Let me tell you a little bit about that. I went into the military as a welder. And uh, the reason why I went into a military career as a welder, let me tell you, uh, they offered me a couple of things. They offered me to climb poles to fix telephone. Yeah, I knew I was going to fall off. That, 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 didn't, that mm. And then the second thing they offered me was to be a, a surgical tech. Well, I wasn't interested in that. I have no idea why. That would have been a great career, right? <laughs> no, not me. I went in there as a welder. Why did I go in there as a welder? Well, because all the men were in the welding. <laughs> I'm not stupid. Alcoholics are not stupid people. So I was like, well, I'm going to get somebody to take care of me. So <laughs> you go in the welder. I went as a welder. <laughs> of course, I didn't weld that long. You know, I think I weld, I welded maybe about 10 years. You know what I'm saying? I burned up so much crap. They was like, uh-uh, she got to go. No, <laughs> it was a mess, guys. I'm telling you, I was in the field welding and I was burning up crap. And you know what I'm saying? We was welding on tanks. I was a good welder. Let me stop lying. I was a good welder. You know, so I was going to hone my job. The real reason is I did not really want to be a female. You know what I'm saying? I, I remember we was tough in there and we were running around in boots. And you know what I'm saying? I was hanging out with the guys. You know what I'm saying? I was listening to their stories and I just loved it, loved it, loved it. You know, then I turned out to be a, a sergeant supply, uh, arm supply. You know what I'm saying? Anything, anything female, you know, don't give me that job. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times, I blamed the second half of humanity for what had happened to me. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, so many things had happened when I was growing up. I'm here to tell you that I did a lot of fist steps about that. It had nothing to do. You know, a, a lot of mine, I'm finding out that 72% of what happened to me was the decision that I had made. Not when I was a child, but as mm -hmm. I was growing up, I kept living in that. And living in that, and living in that, and living in that. And I would tell you that this happened to me. So if I treated you badly, it was because of that. And I would use my relationships as a source of this is what happened to me. So if I treated you badly, it's because of this. So you have to forgive me. And you didn't have to forgive me. You didn't have to understand. You know, I should have gotten therapy. And I refused to get therapy and I refused to get help. And I refused to, I would take it out on you and I would take it out on the people around me. And I would take, I was to take it out on my children. You know, that's why today I know that I need not to ever throw hands again against anyone because I know today that I will take it out on another person. 
not because of what you've done to me, but because of what's been done in the past. <clears throat> Today, the big book has been one of the biggest sources of my strength today. It's had me do inventories and look inside of me and what I had become, not because of my past, but in spite of my past. I'm so grateful for what Alcoholics Anonymous has shown me, has shown me about myself, has shown me about what I become, has shown me about how I was living and shown me about why I was dying. You know, um, when I was coming up, I, I, um, I went through this military career and I threw it away in a second. I didn't think anything about it. I went through this marriage and I threw it away right in a minute. I didn't think anything about it. I threw it away. And the next thing you know, I'm in this treatment center. Uh, this was like my second treatment center. And uh, I'm sitting in this treatment center and uh, it's for women with children. You know, my husband had finally told me, he had given me the gift of life. He told me, he said, I don't want you no more. I found somebody else. And I thought that was the um, ring of death for me. I thought that was the, the toll of death for me. And it turned out to be the toll of life. And uh, what happened was that I went into that treatment center and I need to tell this story. I went to that treatment center. I went to meetings for 10 months straight. I didn't do anything else. I didn't write gratitude lists. I didn't read that book. I didn't do any steps. I didn't help anybody. I was still on that same path of uh, what can I what can I get from you? What can you give me? And I didn't learn anything about Alcoholics Anonymous. Ten months straight, meetings only, gets me drunk. I never, ever want to forget that. So I walked out of the rap house in Covington, Kentucky. And I got drunk again. I never want to forget that. I always want to be there for the next alcoholic. You know, um, and I met my sponsor in there, my first sponsor. She passed away this last February. I miss her like running water. Um, when I left out of that treatment center and I drank again, um, I was to call that sponsor. And uh, my sponsor made fun of me, of course, and, and she laughed and she said, are you ready to do that four step, Stacy?" And I didn't last that long on the streets this time. And I said, yes, I am. And that was around September. That was around uh, August of 1994. And I went into that treatment center and uh, I went into a treatment center called uh, it was um, up in Fort Thomas, Kentucky. And I was lucky enough to go into the VA. Thank God that it was free. And I went in there and uh, <clears throat> I started working that four step. Can you imagine you go in there and the first thing that your sponsor wants to do is a four step? Mm -hmm. And she had me on that four step. And I wrote that four step and I wrote it in um, novel form. Then I wrote it in um, calisthenics. Then I wrote it in uh, calli calligraphy. And then I wrote it in newspaper form. And she handed it all back to me. And she said, I want it in column. I want it in five columns, Stacey. Who causes, effects, and faults. That's what I want. And um, I was mad. You know I was mad because I didn't want to write it like that. I wrote it like that. And um, me and her walked around that, um, that very nice treatment center. And I, I, I'm, I'm, a smart, I'm a smart butt. And so I typed it. 
you know, because I wanted, I'm still uh, delusional. And I, I typed it. And she said, I don't care. And she handed me the papers back and she said, you're going to read it. And I read it. And for the first time in my life, I felt naked. Somebody knew all about me. And um, I come to find out, you know, I had a mother that had um, thrown me down the steps at three, three, three months over. I mean, sorry, three months, three months old. I, I had a mother that threw me down the steps. And I, I truly believe today that that mother was mentally ill. You know, who, who, who has children after child, who has child after child after child that they don't want, but a mentally ill person? I was to forgive her, not for her, but for me, you know. And later on in life that I was raped, you know. Um, and I was to forgive my mother and forgive my stepfather, not for them, but for me. You know, who, how could you explain that to a teenager that you had uh, adopted them as your mistress? Who could explain that but a mentally ill psychotic psychotic person and you know i had always judged you for your behavior i forgave them for me not for them their behavior may never change you know on page 66 it talks about how these people have wronged us but it talks about how it will kill deep resentment leads to fertility and happiness it talks about how it's fatal and grave it talks about how it will die it talks about poison it talks about how it will kill us. And that's true because I walk around with that hate and that anger. I talk, I walk around with that, that, that uh, inside of my gut, that hate. And um, the thing is that I have been walking around with that all my life, what people had done to me. You know, those, those bullies, those, those people who had, I had hated all my life for one reason or another. And that's all I had walked around with. That was all that was in my mind. And I forgave those people because I realized that they had ruled my world all my life. And I wrote those people down on paper. And I realized that those ones that uh, uh, meant so much, those ones that I just told you about that had meant so much, I got them down on paper. And I realized the ones that didn't mean much like the ones in high school and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Swipe left. <laughs> that didn't mean that much. You know what I'm saying? The ones that I thought were just all that, they didn't mean that much. And I went through all that and uh, I felt naked for the first time in my life. Then I came, um, I came around the steps eight and nine, you know, six and seven is something that you work all the time because I don't know about you, but uh, I always seem to have a mouth that um just won't quit, especially now. You know, I didn't got old. I think I can say what I want. No, I, no, I can't. You know, when I reach out and I actually hurt other people, you know, there's a difference between being truthful with someone and being truthful at someone. You know, and there's also a difference in the way that I say it, in the way that I say. It, you know, um. I want to be full of love today. I want to be full of love and full of joy and full of gratitude. And I want to be cognizant to what my soul is broadcasting today. So steps six and seven mean a lot to me, you know. Um, and a lot of times I, I, uh, 
I have to be very careful because my sponsor, my, my sponsor always taught me to be very careful of acting the same way in Alcoholics Anonymous that I do out in the world. And um, to talk about that a little bit, um, I remember one time, this was very recently, and um, it was a couple of years ago, maybe three, four years ago. And one of my character defects came out and uh, me and my um, boss was talking on the phone. And uh, I think this was a God thing. Um, maybe it was not, but I believe it was. And uh, it was not pleasant. And uh, next thing you know, um, she said something and I said something and she said something and I said something. And I said, you said one more thing and I'm going to come down there and I'm going to kill you. And I said, um, you know what? Um, this is uh, what step is this? And I said, oh. <laughs> I think I better leave here. And so I left and um, I went to um, talk that over with a doctor. And the doctor said, well, do you still feel that way? I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and, doctor, and so the doctor said, okay, well, good. And so he left out the room and the doctor cleared the room. The doctor sent the nurse in to clear the room. <laughs> I said, oh my God, me and my big mouth. <laughs> and the next thing you know, I'm under a 72 hour hole. <laughs> I do not say that with pride, guys. I do not say that with pride. <laughs> You know what? Um, here's the, the moral of that story. Um, that was in 2019. Not too far along later in that job, I was to retire. I thought I was so important and I thought I had to let this lady know that um, these were things that I was not going to do and so on and so forth. And I was so, you know, so rigid about what I wasn't going to do and so on and so forth. It was about patience and I needed to let her know and so on and so forth and so on and so forth. Um, I truly believe that I wasn't supposed to be in that job and I was staying there because I, I needed to stay there because I was this and this was that and not so much importance of that job. I wasn't even really that important. The VA will go on as they are that is a huge entity that does what it needs to do and it works for a lot of people it works perfectly for a lot of people and it goes on working perfectly for a lot of people and um i need not complain or be upset about it because what i was supposed to do is i was supposed to step out and let me tell you why because not too long after that, my daughter was diagnosed with breast cancer. I was supposed to step out. I was supposed to retire from there. And uh, not too long after that, I started working from home. My daughter was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I've been able to um, help her on some of her, um, go to some of her um, appointments from home. And um, God knew what he was doing. I guess he used my uh, character defect of, Trying to tell you what you need to do <laughs> to, to get me out of a job that I think that I need to be at. God knows what he's doing. So that's on character defect five, uh, six, five and six. Um, on eight and nine, um, one time me and my sponsor um, broke up real quick. Like I, I had um, given her a job in a 401k plan and uh, I had... Uh, told her that um 
I was going to find another sponsor. And uh, I uh, I went out there and I looked for a lady who was going to tell me what I wanted to hear. And what happened was that um, it was that I didn't want to pay back the uh, Department of Defense. You don't have to worry about paying back Department of Defense. Department of Defense will come get their money, I, I'm here to tell you. Um, so what happened, though, was that um, I um, flip-flopped around there for a while, and I uh, came back and I asked my sponsor to be my sponsor. And the reason why is because uh, my sponsor was acting like an adult, and I was acting like a kid um, who was stomping my feet. And once again, I was pointing the finger at other people, and I was blaming those other people for how... Uh, I was blaming my sponsor for, you know what I'm saying? She's not acting right. She's treating me mean. She's this, she's that, she's the other. Uh, and she was giving me instructions, instructions that I didn't want to hear. She insisted that I pay people back. She insisted that I make these amends. She insisted. And I didn't like it. And I didn't like how she insisted either. Mm -hmm. And what happened was that um, I stopped blaming her for who I was, for who who. I had become. And uh, she, um, when I asked her to be my sponsor again, she said, did you pay those people back? I said, well, yeah, they came and got their money. She said, good, Stacey, good. We can move on. And so we moved on. And um, I've always been a part of the step 11. I've always been a part of praying and meditating. Um, when I came in Alcoholics Anonymous, I had no God. I had none. My sponsor said she did not care. Get on your knees. He said, say the third and seventh, seventh step prayer, because that's what everybody was doing in her area. And she said, say the third and seventh step prayer in the morning. And she said, say the third and seventh step prayer at night. She said, thank you. She said, if nothing else, you say, please in the morning. And you say, thank you at night. Say the third and seventh step prayer in the morning. Say, please in the morning. Say third, third and seventh step prayer and say, thank you at night on your knees. And um, I um, I said, Leslie, I don't have anything, anybody or anything to pray to. She said, you will find God on your knee. Now, the difference between Alcoholics Anonymous then and Alcoholics Anonymous, well, I don't know if there's any difference now or then or what have you, because I still know people who pick up people and 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 take people to meetings and uh, they they go to sick, they go to hospitals and they hold meetings there. They'll go to your home and hold meetings there. They will take people who are um uh, uh who don't have transportation to meetings. They will they will I mean they will give and give and give and, and even when they are um tired of giving they will give some more because I know people who will do that. I know people who will uh, not only call you, they will come pick you up. I know people who will do all those things for you and they will put out for service over and over and over again. And even when they're tired, they will give some more. They will give some more. They're on this meeting right now. On this meeting right now. The only thing that stops them from doing service, the only thing is <laughs> their car ain't working. <laughs> their car ain't working. <laughs> That's the only thing that stops them. Because um, they know. They know that um, it's like it said, that this program is a life-giving program, a life-giving program. And it deserves everything that I can give from my heart. I have never in my life 
met the people that I've met with you. I've never in my life met people like you. You know, um, for the first seven years in my life, I didn't go home. Not because of the fact that the people at home were so bad. They're living their life that they want to live. It's okay. It's okay. It's even okay uh, if they don't like me or get along with me. That's okay today. You know, because I work my steps and I understand. I understand. You know, um, for a long time, you had to like me and get along with me. You had to agree with everything that I said. Not today. Not today. Today, your life is yours. And my life is mine. And I truly believe that the God that works for you works for me, too. I don't believe that God has no stepkids, foster kids, um, uh, grandkids or any of that. I believe that we live under one God. And I believe that we all have that spark that we're trying to get back to him. And we all feel it. Because I know I feel it. I remember I was sitting on my floor and I was doing something to, with my candles. And I believe, I, I, I felt, and I believe today, I felt in my heart I heard his voice. This is, this is, and I don't know anybody. I don't know if you, if you've ever felt the presence of God, but I remember at 12 years old, um, I felt so, I've never felt so alone in my whole life. And I know that I was going through such a terrible time of loneliness and pain. And I told God, I said, I, I'm done. I, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this by myself. And I felt so alone at that time. And um, that was the time that I wanted to check out of here. And I'm here to tell you that that was before the nadir of alcoholism. Alcohol hadn't really even entered my life. So what does that say? That says that we have to find a new way of living. That says that spirituality had to enter my life. Or I was a goner. And I remember sitting here and I remember working on my candles. And I remember um, right here in this house, right here. And I remember God saying to me that I cried just as hard as you cried that day because I knew you were going to need me. And I remember crying and saying, I'm so glad that you're back in my life. That's 28 years later. That's many girls later. That's many, many lives later. That's a whole family later. That's all the people that you saved later. That's all. That's my mother's life later. My mother finally said to me, she said, um, don't leave Alcoholics Anonymous because you become the daughter I've always wanted. That's not because of, of any of uh, any, that's not because of any uh, any degrees I have, or because I became a welder in the service, <laughs> or because of any arms that I learned, or anything that I've learned anywhere else. That's because of you. Not a pat on my back. 
That's because of the lessons that I've learned here in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I truly believe, and I don't know what you believe, but I truly believe that the people who pass on, they go into the next room. It's the next room. I believe that our souls go into the next room. So we can be proud of the people. The people who have passed on from us are just as proud of us when they see us come into this program. They see us. They love us. They're just as proud of us that we don't drink anymore and we don't destroy our lives anymore. And in that 12th step, when we reach back to someone else, might not always seem like it. Because I tell you, I slammed my sponsor's door. I'm surprised, I was surprised her door would work sometimes. But she would give me so many, so many. She would, she would, I, it took years for her to be my friend. But I'm here to tell you, she gave me so many God, God inspired, God inspired things that she did for me. And I am so grateful for the woman that she allowed me to be. She was hard on me. When she found out I had, she found out I was a disabled vet and I was getting money. She said, you will pay people back immediately. When she said that she wanted me to do that four step, she said she wanted me to do that four step immediately. She looked at that pride that I had and she picked up one of them sledgehammers and she busted that immediately. She said, there will be no ego in here. She said, you, I said, I, I, I need to have a car so that I could get my kids around and I could get my groceries and I could cook for my kids and I could clean for my kids. She said, well, you will be picking people up immediately. I remember I was sponsoring people on a bus, on the bus mm -hmm. in Northern Kentucky. Yes, I was. Mm -hmm. She did not pick me up for a meeting. She did not coddle me. She knew what this ego meant. She knew what that ego meant and she knew it would kill me. I was talking to a sponsee the other day. And I remember so well what Peter M. says. And Peter M. says that the ego, my ego, my ego, my God. You know, I don't ever want to get so high in Alcoholics Anonymous that I think I'm teaching I don't ever want to get so low in Alcoholics Anonymous that I think I haven't learned it. I'm just a student of life, just like everybody else. In. I'm just a student of life. And I learn every day in Alcoholics Anonymous. I learn every day from each person that I sponsor, from each person that I talk to, from each person that I know. And so, if I know you, I've learned something from you. And I'm so grateful for you. And I'm so grateful for this meeting. I'm so grateful for the time that I've had in Alcoholics Anonymous each and every day. And you would think that I, I, um, that I would say something about my daughter, but I'll just put it like this. Page eight. If I don't do something about those dark times, and my daughter's been going through a dark time since 2019. If I don't do something about those dark times, 
then I'm sure to drink. But I don't have to drink if I do the full program of Alcoholics Anonymous. This is not a time to complain. This is a time to help. So I get to. I get to help other people in Alcoholics Anonymous. I surely get to help my daughter. And I surely get to help you. I'm so grateful to be here and so grateful to be a part of the life-giving program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Always remember that we are a program of equals, of equals. So that makes us able to all stay, no matter what the circumstances. You do not have to drink again. I thank you so much for listening to me. My name is Stacy. I'm an alcoholic. Stacy B, thank you for joining us on Two Sober Chicks. Stacy's home group is a Solution Seekers Beginners Meeting. That's where we get all of our speakers. Please join us sometime. It meets seven days a week at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm Lisa from Two Sober Chicks. <laughs>